The following episode is brought to you by Darren Katzka, Devious Pop-Tart, Elizabeth Clark, Irene Viorito, Laura Pickren, Nathan Stuller, Charles Compton, Natasha Rallerson, David Scrams, Edvarth Arnoff, Jerry Thunes, Mark Stanley, Rebecca Gauman, and Shelby Johnson, as well as all of our generous patrons. RPG table topping podcast where we play. Eric shaking like his head as and to make tabletops. <laughs> He's acting like I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm just bad at it. And I'm Jeff. I'm Philip. <laughs> I'm Trevor. I'm Randy. And I'm Eric. And we're going to review the last four episodes now. I'm streamlining. So let's get started. <laughs> so the whole arc begins right after we finished the sabotaging of the machine that was causing the Warforged to be possessed by we a Caneth, the Caneths. I don't we really don't know exactly who's behind this. We assume it's institutional, but we really don't know. I didn't think about that until I was listening to it today. But we're all in a lot of pain. Or actually, that's not true at all. Some of us are in a lot of pain, and some of us are also Radar's hanging like, out. what? <laughs> What's yeah. a pain? He says, you are, Reynard. You are a pain. <laughs> and so we go to... Both Philip and Eris's favorite character, mm. Maris. Is it, okay? Is there a T on the end of the first name? Is no. it Maris? Mar- okay, it's, it's um, Maris. Like no, Ryan there is T. Oh, I say it's not like a T to me. Okay, we go see Maris Pebblefist, yeah. and he takes care of Hob. He takes care of Eris. Eris still sucks at interpersonal relationships when it comes to Maris Pebblefist. Maris Pebblefist is off-putting. Mary's Pebble Fist is off-putting. Which you the learned us, is intentional on his part. The rest of us have chosen to ignore it. <laughs> and then he acted offended when I was off-put. He did it on purpose and then acted offended when people were put off. That's called gaslighting. <laughs> okay, okay, very, you know what? Okay. But Mary's Technically, fix- Philip, gaslight, no. <laughs> he gets a, he, yeah, at this point in our common vernacular, gaslighting just means lying. Which is not fair to, <laughs> to, to the people who put in the work to gaslight, like Marist Pebblefist. <laughs> we're already off the rails. We're two minutes in, and we're mm-hmm. already off the rails. And we're recording several things, but yeah. So Marist Pebblefist, and he doesn't tell us a lot we don't already know about what's going on with the Bormar clan and the family and stuff like that. But just reiterates things are bad. Lay low, stay low. I guess we didn't really, Eric. Tell us about your thought process of is Marist sympathetic to us or not, and why you chose to let him be. It, it could just be money. I get that. But. I want to say that Randy expended some level of resource, like a story point or something, to say that yes. he had an existing relationship with Dr. Pebblefist that would at least open up that possibility. Okay. And 
I couldn't remember if it was a story my, point or not. But okay. Yeah. My thinking cut, like, once that was spent and to expand upon, okay, why would this be the case? Milo's family goes way back with the clan and nobody liked Vigo that much. So like you all reckon shop on him didn't burn many bridges and people really like Satan. And so it's just a confusing time. And so it's one of those things where if somebody genuinely believes that you didn't kill Satan, then they will probably be sympathetic to you because the only other logical explanation is Vigo had something to do with it. So right. that was kind of my thinking. And that is certainly true. Uh, six times out of 10 that we've said, no, it wasn't us. Vigo did it and we got him to confess. No one's like, that can't be right. They're like, oh yeah, okay. That actually, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that um, definitely tracks. Anything else anybody wants to share about the Pebble Fist encounter? Anything I've missed? It's always a joy to role play him. I know you do. You <laughs> like playing Marist a lot. And I have fun with listening to Eric yes. do that. <laughs> He's one of my favorites for real. Wait, Eric is really? Yes, Eric is. No, there's uh, Pebble Fist. Loving. We go back to another favorite NPC. We go next to Sigil. We still have the core from the machine with us, and we've got to get that taken care of. I did like after the scene with Pebble Fist. At some point, went was it Spruce? that was asking the inappropriate questions and I heard Philip Philip go, Oh, Spruce is their heiress, <laughs> which felt pretty apt. Yep. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of forward momentum. We tell Eric Sigil what we've done. They thank us. They feel, they tell us a little bit more about what their plans are next. We did see, what was his name? Ash. Right. Yep. Talking about interlopers. Yep. But was he glancing at us? Talk about martyrs. Like, which was, uh, yeah. Was he glancing at us as we were walking by like interlopers? And I bet he was doing it. I doubt he was <laughs> glancing. He might have been pointing. And we fill sigil in on what we've done. Let them know that the barrier is down, at least temporarily. The machine is broken, at least temporarily. If you, right? Or disabled. Yeah. Yeah, we broke it. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember if we explicitly said to them, like, so if you want to take your crew up and see what's going on, let the heat die down. You're good to go. But that's the... If that was their plan, that was our green light for it. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't an explicit, explicitly stated it was there. And as we leave, we see a third NPC, I would say, less beloved by one player because of what he signifies. Hey. We we see Narn. Actually, no, Hob loves (laughs) Narn and Jeff loves Narn, but was not happy to see Narn this time because I knew it was coming. So obligation is a thing in Genesis that we did once. (laughs) And. I don't, we, I don't know if we've ever really talked about that. We didn't have a conversation about leaving the obligation to the wayside. It just happened. Eric, whoa, whoa, no, what are you talking about? All the rest of us have fulfilled our obligation. Bob <laughs> is just not getting it done. I thought I thought Eris didn't fulfill hers, did she? Eris is the only one to have fulfilled hers. Yeah, I'm okay. the only okay. one. Then I got it backwards. <laughs> I got it. Then I recall her finishing it then. Sure, yeah. Let's say that. Come on, Eric. I had him going. I knew Reynard couldn't have possibly. So I wasn't going <laughs> to believe it. I got invited back by my father. I think that counts. As soon as you assassinate the head of House Fearland, in sh- yeah, sure. Yeah. Obligation fulfilled. Good job. Trevor. But like the official <laughs> mechanic of obligation, rolling for obligation, all of that yeah. stuff has gone away. Yeah. And I foolishly thought that with that, perhaps my <laughs> onus to House Denneth had done the same thing. Apparently not. I guess Milo has fulfilled his obligation also because Jason's dead and Vigo is dead. 
So yeah, probably if we were doing the mechanics, Milo would have fulfilled his obligation also. So there you go, Randy. But this is a reviewed, so it's not canon. So shut up, Randy. And Narn tells Hob that Boomrush has one more job for him. And we're supposed to go to a place called Ruska's Roost. And that's all he knows right now. Mm-hmm. He might know the Warlord thing. He might know there's the Warlord bit involved at this point. But that's really mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Any other things you guys want to touch on from episode one? Nope. Okay. I don't think we have. We actually. Nope. That's episode three that happens. Okay. <laughs> episode two begins with my probably my favorite thing that's happened in campaign two where Eris has to learn how to be appreciated by strangers (laughs) and she just can't handle it it's and it doesn't help that her coaches in how to handle this social situation are Three absolute idiots. Antisocial. Actually, Milo's not antisocial in the general sense, but he's both going through some things, and Aaron's isn't going to listen to him anyway. And <laughs> yes, I do have that. I have it coming up. Yeah, he does get pretty high. On but, the most inappropriately named drink in Eberron. Yeah, what was it again? The, the morning, morning sunrise. Sunrise. Or morning's morning embrace. Sunrise. Embrace, yeah. Oh, morning's, morning's embrace. embrace. Even worse. Yeah, which, if I'm not mistaken, the morning's embrace is asphyxiation. It's death. It's death. <laughs> like and the- probably horrible mutation. We'll find out. <laughs> but So what happens? So the drinks start coming free. Food starts coming free. I cannot remember her name, but the young actor's mother comes up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. thanks, Eris, and reconciles a bit with... Or that doesn't reconcile with anybody, but it's like, hey, sorry, I was pretty short with you guys that one time. What else happened? Milo gets and zooted. She also Milo apologized orders. for kicking Hob in the groin, also. She did. Apologize. Yeah, I was putting that under the. That was all under the umbrella. <laughs> we need not state givens. Yeah, Milo gets zooted on the morning's embrace, and Eris doesn't drink. Hob doesn't drink. Reynard doesn't drink yet. That's later in the arc that Reynard yeah. begins <laughs> and drinking again. The only reason. I did that is because, okay, Eric has went to the trouble <laughs> to give us these drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milo's got to order something. The morning's embrace. <laughs> I thought I thought Eris did get like a Chiron Sunrise or something out of. The- I think that's true. Yeah. I think yeah. Eris ordered. A, a, a I, I might be wrong. May have had one. Eris says explicitly, "I have to work on an explosive weapon later." Yeah, so she may have had one, but not more than yeah. that. She doesn't air us out where a bad day leads to some <laughs> serious drinking. But, and yes, and we'll get to this later. But yes, Eric, the tavern and menu and drink descriptions in this arc, Eric really went to town on them and they're pretty great. So we are going to talk about that during some discussion later. There's a question about it. But so I don't want to walk right over Randy's praise of Eric for that because it was pretty fantastic and comprehensive. So. We convince Eris that the smart thing to do to potentially get them to quit buying things for her is to buy around, and that is when Hob gets some of the best information that he's ever heard. Because this round is attributed to whom? The Come fixer. On, somebody who buys the round. Okay, <laughs> fine. The DM will do it. The fixer. Eris has a nickname, and it's the fixer because the people yeah. in high walls are having too much. There's too much of the creative part of their brain just. 
dedicated to surviving that's the best they can that, that what they came up with for that lady who fixes everything she's the fixer which is appropriate it sounds to me it's perfect i love it everything yeah. about it is great yeah i love that they're like she fixes things we need to celebrate her we shall call her fixer and also eris hates it which is even better. that's true eris doesn't hate the nickname eris hates having a nickname yes eris hates being noticed mm-hmm what was the, at one point she says, I've just never had people who will do things for me to Hob and Milo and Reynard. So good. Eris gets uncomfortable enough that we decide to leave. Three of the four of us decide to leave. Milo wants to kick around for a while longer. <laughs> Milo keeps trying to get another drink. And Hob, Hob and Eris are nannying. Um, yep. And then we get stopped on the way out. We do. by There's yes. a woman elf who is just clocking Reynard and... Mm-hmm. Let's maybe. go in. Let's, maybe. I mean, I'm suspicious. She was definitely clocking him. Like she, she oh, sure. stares. Oh. I'm suspicious too. I don't know if she was jocking him, but she was clocking. <laughs> but so, Trevor, let's get inside. You know what? That's not good for anybody. But let's talk about it. Was being really conflicted about starting a conversation with the woman that appeared to be uh, interested in you? Was that a character choice? Was that a Trevor that doesn't know what to do? Oh, definitely both. <laughs> I don't like flirting with my DM. But that's just, and not, I don't mean Eric. I mean my DM, whoever happens to be running the thing. Now, as a DM, I'm flirted with constantly because my players are all monsters. <laughs> but I don't like doing that. So I don't know what I would have done. But Trevor, let's, talk, let's go for it. Yeah, it was awkward for Trevor. So it became awkward for Reynard. <laughs> there it is. So, but I think I got into it. Eric all around. Got so. into it oh, a little yeah. bit at the end. Showed oh, yeah. a little and, game. And yeah. Reynard, just further cluing into his psyche, apparently thinks that he and Verla have a flirty relationship, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> pathological. <laughs> like, it's not just I, wild. It's. Do you remember there used to be a really, like, really awful reality show called The Pickup Artist? where this dude would explain to socially awkward guys how to pick up girls. Who, who I was, The guy dressed in 98 or whatever it was, a lot like you probably picture Reynard dressing. Yeah. Put that out there for the listener <laughs> doesn't know. That's true. And I remember that because someone I won't mention here who lived with me was a big fan of this show and, uh, and watched so it a lot in the apartment I lived in him with. This was during the dark times. Um, Philip, I I lived with your brother, not with you. You got it backwards. Anyway, I remember one of the things was like backhanded compliments. Uh, It's called negging. (laughs) Right. I didn't want to give it the credence of giving it the (laughs) fake jargon that was invented by a huckster. This is Um, not Twitter. We named the problem so people know how to avoid them. Fair enough. I feel like that's the only lesson that Reynard absorbed. Peacocking and negging. Those are the two things that Reynard got. Yeah. Yeah. You mean you guys don't feel that tension? We feel the tension. We absolutely feel the tension. It's just not what Reynard thinks it is. Visceral animalistic tension. Yep. No, and yep. here's the thing. Like right before a badger lunges at your face and <laughs> claws your eyes out. I was honestly going to say badger. Amazing. <laughs> I will concede 
The first three scenes between Reynard and Verla, yes, there was a flirty air about things. The gala when she showed up as the mouse to Reynard's owl, etc. Like there, but Reynard has just systematically bludgeoned all of that out of Verla. Like I am <laughs> appalled that it made it to the gala. <laughs> the, like I said the, it... the cold open gala that you all weren't there for. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Not the one where he deceived her into dressing up for a non-costume party. I yeah, I said it in the episode, and I stand by this. There is not a person in the world or a being in fantasy that I, could, I would be incredulous about people finding them attractive. There's someone for everyone. So I have no doubt that Reynard would have opportunities to flirt with people that he is interested in. It's after he starts talking that I'm like, this can't last. <laughs> There's a, an aspect to it of the actions and the words and the demeanor of the player against the numbers on the sheet. Reynard's got four yellows charm. Reynard exudes charm. And despite Trevor's awkwardness, Reynard, probably to a certain extent, is a charming person in spite of Trevor's best efforts. So I try to play it that way also. Like where there's a translation of what Trevor says into the fiction of what comes out of Reynard's mouth to support the mechanics. And I do want to say, Trevor, when he's Trevor, is unbelievably charming. He's got buckets of this stuff. He's really fun to be around. I was about to say, y'all don't find me charming? No, Trevor's fantastic. You charming. (laughs) Trevor has Reynard. Reynard is the problem. (laughs) Trevor Trevor is nothing like Reynard except for tall and thin. Let's put that out there. (laughs) Yeah. And occasionally a bit of a flashy dresser. (laughs) That's true. But her name is Nessa Moonshadow. And could not be laying it on thicker. She did not. If she is, as we, all the characters immediately assumed, there to kill him <laughs> if that is her real name <laughs> the intel she had which said, it surely is not <laughs> the intel she had said boy is thick make it clear <laughs> oh i'm not interested in them i'm here for you reynard turnville big sign flashing behind her. <laughs> she read that she read the women's version of the pickup artist and is constantly <laughs> playing with her hair and making little brushes of physical contact and um, i love reynard's impulse like e- Nessa was interested from the get and Reynard still clout chased. Like she was like, hi, what's your name? And he's like, look at who I'm here with. You're a hero. <laughs> Maybe you, Reynard was trying you're, to set her up very, with Eris. You're very fun to play with. It's but true. All we know right now about Nessa Moonshadow is that she is some, some sort of herbalist magic stuff and wants Reynard once Reynard, in sentence, but also once Reynard to come by her shop sometime. So that she could kill him. We right. also know that. Yeah. Drug him, <laughs> drug him and, and kill him. And Reynard is not oblivious. We said, That's hey, true. what do you think? You think she's going to kill you? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> Were her feelings of affection to you genuine? <laughs> Just have to go to her apothecary and find out. I'm sure we will. We need things. We're going to. Hob could use a healing potion. Someone wanting to kill Reynard does not have to get in the way of a decent relationship with that person. Also true. <laughs> We've wanted to kill Reynard before, and he still hangs around us. Completely. Um, but we do get to leave after the Nessa Moonshadow. I almost said resolution. There was no such thing. And <laughs> back to the cauldron. We're told to be quiet, and then we just make some decisions about Olive that make it to where we don't have to be quiet anymore because it makes for better audio <laughs> if we can talk. And let's talk. Okay, so this is where Eris begins work. We all leave. 
And then Eris begins to work on her new Fletcher. I, we explained it in passing, not in passing, but briefly in the episode. So would you guys talk about why in the narrative, if this was a TV series that didn't have a set of rules or attributes for the characters, that Fletcher would not be back this quickly. So let's I, talk about why. I want to disagree with the premise. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Unfortunately, this is my show, so you're not going <laughs> to be able to do that. So, okay. So mechanically, Eris has the heroic ability from the Realms of Terranoth Genesis book, Signature Weapon. That's where the Fletcher originates mechanically. And yes, probably the fiction that is aiming for is like Excalibur or Glamdring or something. You've got a weapon that you're just known for. Eris built this. It's not mystical. She has no genetic attachment to it. It's not tied to her destiny. It's not the result of some deep arcane pact. She built it. And it's not the first one that she's built. I've had this on my sheet as the Fletcher Mark II mm -hmm. the whole time, because I assume that the first time Eris built one of these things, at some point it exploded. <laughs> because this is a really stupid way to build a weapon. <laughs> I don't think it needed a like some kind of long. Uh, I think Laura commented in the discord with a sad emoji and she just replaced it. Eris is angry that the Fletcher got left behind because it's something she built and it was left behind. And it basically says Eris was here in a crime scene. The loss of the Fletcher is not emotional to Eris in that the item is emotionally important other than that she's very proud of having built it. So on on the one hand, it's not, it's not like there's not an epic, there, there doesn't need to be an epic montage of Eris rebuilding the Fletcher or anything like that. Secondarily, she's already got one back at the shop. Like she has the one that we took from the Millhatch warehouse it just obviously was deeply inferior. And so she took it apart and stripped it for parts and definitely didn't borrow any ideas from it at all. And so the parts for the new Fletcher and the ideas for the new Fletcher were already in play. And I maybe have even referenced her tinkering around with it a couple of times. I've intended that's been going on, whether or not I've successfully mentioned it or not. And so losing the Fletcher meant going home and making the necessary adjustments to make the Millhatch Fletcher up to her own standards. And I made a couple of cosmetic adjustments to what it looked like to represent progression in her character. Everything we've recorded has come out by the time this comes out. Yes. Everything, no. but no, the, the little side thing where Randy wasn't available. Ah, is okay. About. So, Okay. Then I can't tell you that I, I made some adjustments to the nature of of the runes and things that control it and power it to represent more of who Eris is now, because, of course, everything Eris does is chaotically artistic. And so, yeah, so that's I would very happily if this was that kind of like signature weapon. If this was that, if it was emotionally important to her, Eris would have launched into some sort of scheme to get it back. Right now, Eris's interest in reacquiring it is just so that no one else has it, as opposed to because she desperately needs it back because the new Fletcher that she has acquired 
is actually better for the way that we operate <laughs> because no one ever gives Eris space to blow crap up. I'm not blaming you. I realize it's, like, it's just how literally your characters can't. operate. No, I'm not, again, I'm not blaming anyone, but it is just a fact that it's almost never safe for Eris to use that aspect of the Fletcher. And so this is a better option for the way that, that she operates in this group. So I'm very much would have happily left my character without the weapon for a few episodes, a few sessions, if it meant a more narratively satisfying recovery of it or acquisition of a new one. But this was a, a tool that Eris made that she'd used a lot that had been very reliable and, oh, it's gone. An opportunity to upgrade. So it's now she's got a Fletcher Mark III. So I've not had an English class in some time. Is the inverse of dramatic irony, is that just irony? Is that just like, because a dramatic irony is when we know something the character doesn't. This, the inverse of that is what was here. I didn't remember, and I don't think any listeners knew, Eric and Philip were the only two people that knew that the Fletcher was going to be quickly and easily replaced. So it was a much bigger deal to the rest of us than it was to you guys. So every time Hobbs, what are we going to do about this? That was Jeff going, what are we going to do? Eris feels that way because other people having the Fletcher is bad. Like it has actual weight and importance. And if we can find a way to keep it out of someone else's hands or destroy it or whatever, that would be very good. And Eris would care a lot about that. It's just not a piece of my soul is missing because she lost the Fletcher. Sure. So, yeah. Okay. Great. I think that's situational irony. We'll move on. So, <laughs> episode three begins with all of us returning to the cauldron. Eris has been up all night. Very cute thing where Olive has set a 24-hour... If the bed pressure plate doesn't activate in 24 hours, an alarm goes off. 20 hours, not 24. Oh, 20. So it <laughs> Sorry. I like the idea that Eris has crashed out on the couch and that alarm wakes her up but <laughs> which to be fair i've woken up and gone to bed before sure yeah so absolutely so that's very cute very sweet we all go back to the cauldron wake eris up rudely and milo and olive start to examine the this isn't the arms this was box the, the, the box the, the box yes thank you with the intent to fuel the arms and I will shut up and let you guys chat a bit if you would like, because I didn't really do anything until we got to Ruska's Roost, so. Just, oh, go ahead. Milo just had the ability to help and was asked, Milo wants to help, so he just jumped right in and probably had Eris going, oh my gosh. <laughs> this wasn't yeah, I mean, all the facts, right? No. Or was it? Okay. No. No, I mean, I wanted Milo to have a bit of agency in the scene, and I knew that Olive was working on the arms and ramping up to fueling them, and so I was like, oh, I could have... Milo knows a lot about magic, and it would also deeply bother Eris if Olive is asking <laughs> Milo for input on this project. So that seems like a lot of fun to me, so we'll do that. Yeah. T torture your players, folks. Make sure mm -hmm. you torture your players. If you're supposed to have some fun as the DM yourself. So didn't say Philip said Eris torture your players characters not your players people I was being genuine and importantly <laughs> it's absolutely nothing to do with jealousy of Olive's attention it's everything to do that 
hey, I'm going to work on this keg of black powder over there. Hey, you lit match. Come help yeah. me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I didn't think there was any jealousy. I, yeah, no, no, I know. I just. Yeah. Tying the cloth around Milo's head so he quit smoking was pretty funny, too. Yeah. Oh, that's no way like that's an when, effective safety measure. Yeah. Well, that's like when Milo was helping Eris and she was like, get a hat. That was Eris being very nice. Yes. Because what Eris was, wanted to say was, get out of my workshop. You're yes. going to infect everything here. Yep. And that was Milo going, I know Eris is not happy with me. I want her to be happy with me. I want to try to help her. Make her like me again. That's pretty great. Yeah, what was you should the... never have admitted that you don't know how magic works. What was the thing? That's, that's the, the thing. thing. Eric says Milo knows a lot about magic, but Eris knows Milo doesn't know crap about magic. It just about happens his, to him. His magic. <laughs> his magic. He knows about magic. He's just not quite sure how to control it every single time. <laughs> that's the most important thing about magic. S- some might exactly. say. Exactly. If you know everyone knows about magic in this setting, if you know everything about cars except for which ones gas and which ones break, you're not going to be an effective driver. Which is why I went that route with Milo. (laughs) It's great character. It's a there. No complaints about the character, Andy, at all. No. Yeah, but uh, Eris finishes the. I guess at that point you were just ruining up the Fletcher. It was mostly, Mm -hmm. yeah, the construction was complete. Milo fills in Olive, and we head to Ruska's Roost. Is there an Olive Air scene there, or is that later? I know there's one next episode, but... There was some talking, but yeah, yeah. nothing substantial. Okay. Just more of Olive being super sweet, so that it hurts much more when she dock ox. So we go to Ruska's Roost. We meet... I liked the pleasant surprise that Ruska's Roost was nice. It's it's a nice place. You, th- you hear Goblin, even in Eberron, and you think skittery woodland creature or whatever but i like that it was like no this is the place where the the people who are trying to integrate or whatever can have a nicer place to go so i thought that was pretty cool and remind me of the server's name gothok 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 the demanding it was combative service i don't know what to say it was this guy i we don't talk about this a lot my job title is instructor of hospitality and food service it's more about safety and health regulations, but there's a little bit of customer service in there, and Gothog wasn't good at it. Uh, <laughs> hey, for your culture, Fair our goblin culture, you have come into a restaurant. And so when you go there, you ha- yes, let's proceed. Absolutely. <laughs> Just in case you get order that appetizer, a main, some sides. Great. <laughs> he didn't make small talk or ask her how her day was or anything. He knew what she was there for, came to the point. All right. Yep. But he runs us through the menu. Again, it's extensive. Lots of jack and apes and monkey shines with the menu. And uh, the Eberron boys trying to order food never goes c- cleanly. Raynard tried so hard to fit in, though. He tried so hard to... He was. <laughs> the best part was, like, he would do something, and then you would go, Really? You want mushrooms twice? Come on, dude. That was so funny. <laughs> like, they tell you when you go to France, if you try to speak French to the waiter, that they're, you're going to ingratiate yourself. And this guy was like... Shut up. You don't want mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> Try again. I feel like there were some nice bonding moments between Reynard and Eris, though, during doing food service. There were a couple little moments here and there. I, yeah, we, I we felt like this was an, a couple of episodes where Eris and, and Reynard were getting along pretty well. I agree with that. It was the... Like, so what's going to ruin eat the tigers? <laughs> yeah. 
they hunt on the tigers. They don't eat the tigers. And then Eric, actually, they occasionally eat the tigers. <laughs> the other, the war party comes in. Bunch of hobgoblins and a bugbear looking real scary and intimidating because we'll look up a bugbear and some hobgoblins. Eris, uh, thankfully, has the customary knowledge to say, let them eat. They'll come to us. And that's exactly what happens. They come over, say we're going to be upstairs. We finish eating. We go upstairs. And then they fill us in on what happened. And what happened was they were mean to a guy. I guess they weren't mean to a guy. They weren't helpful to a guy, which yes. is mean. They were callous. Like, they were unempathetic. They were heartless to a guy. He was right. not deserving, as I recall. Yes. Yes, he was not deserving because he had been brought low. And my favorite, he had been brought low. And then the next line is, well, then he got better and he was, like, mad or something? Is essentially <laughs> what the line was. But did, did we have the warlord's name? I know we, I sorry, not do we have. I know we do. But I don't have We do it. not. It's like. We have, we have warlord Vurdurgoth, yeah oh it's not it's like a it's like a a, a, a title pseudonym title. Yeah. yeah yeah i'm i pronounce it as though the middle of it has lds and r's just in sequence for a little bit Vurdurgoth. it makes it easy yeah so we learn that he is an artificer who is making death machines and blood-sucking machines and those blood-sucking machines once they suck your blood they're better prepared to fight you later. That's the impression I got. Is that right? They they can track yeah. you down. They can hunt you effectively. There yeah. it is. Yes. Okay. They can track you down. Who else has tracky things? Hob. You know who didn't remember? Jeff. But it's okay because they don't work on it. <laughs> so as long as he has his mask on, they don't work on right. it. Right. I'm trying to remember. I feel like this conversation was just like they were forthcoming because they wanted our help. There wasn't a lot of right. beating around the yeah, bush. Yeah, it was very straightforward. Yeah. We asked some useful questions. We did some examining of the thing. We've worked out that Eris can use the machine to backtrack towards his lair and get us closer. So we a narrower space to search. Mm-hmm. And oh, they also had a tiger. That's important. Yeah, big, they got big, a tiger. They had a big tiger. Who the, didn't the ranger seem, has a tiger. Who didn't seem offended at the tiger stew. So I guess they're all used to it. But yeah, basically we learned, yeah. They they have an idea. They, they they know his general area. It's in the cogs. They know, and they we have a not the bloodsucker, but the other one. We actually have a decommission. Not decommission. They beat the tar out of one of them <laughs> that Eris is eventually going to work on. And after I don't know about you guys, but after I listened to all that, I was like, this is so much more difficult and dangerous than I thought this little side quest was going to be. <laughs> this is yeah. a real thing. This is not a we are blowing time until we hear back from. The Dark Lanterns. Black Lanterns? I never Dark Lanterns. Remember. That's right. Oh. Yeah, Dark Lanterns. This is You're like, the Black oh. Lamps. They're the Dark Lanterns. And we're Let's definitely the whole not thing the off. Black Lamps anymore. And I was like, oh, this is this is way more serious than I thought. We're going to need the rest of the crew. We're going to need time. We're going to need to plan. This is not just go and beat up a guy who's probably strong, but that is the extent of his metal. No, we're getting the crap kicked out of us, and we're not careful. Yep. And so that's what we do. We decide that we're going to split up. I almost said Eris and Milo decide. No, Eris says she's going to, and Milo decides to go with her. So let's jump to that. Let's just have you guys. This is getting, let's just move from this straight through episode four because it all flows at this point. So Eris and Milo go off on their side bit, and then we'll talk about what happens with the twins. Not the twins, (laughs) the twins with different dads. The sisters with Reynard and Hob. It's basically just Eris is trying to build some anti-construct options. So... Some acid flasks, some ammunition for Reynard's 
quiver that will function particularly effectively against creatures made of metal and whatnot. Some sort of tracking goggles, I think, or danger sense goggles, essentially, also for Reynard. And I think that's most of what she made, but it was just a lot of that. And Milo followed her home, so he was there and she <laughs> let him assist. Yep, yep. Milo I do. just wanted to be useful. I do remember now, at one point, I hope it's in these episodes and not in the one that we haven't released yet. I think it is, though. This is where you make the headgear, the eyewear for Raynor, yeah. yes? And mm-hmm. at one point, I heard Eric say, you guys don't realize this, but you've just homebrewed a real D&D item called the Goggles of Night. And I'm like, man, Dex is wearing Goggles of Night in his official picture on the wiki. <laughs> and I specifically said Trevor, to be fair, which I okay. doubt Trevor's checked out the Campaign One wiki lately. I got Trevor. Ah. <laughs> Trevor doesn't know who Dex is, and that's fine. But yeah, when you said, I don't know, probably some owl motif, I was like, that is literally the goggles of night. That's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) Pretty great. What else would you guys like to talk about from that? Anything about the interpersonal growth between the two of you? (laughs) I'm not sure that there really was any. No. Correct. It was just, Milo helped, Eris led him. That's it. Milo followed Eris home, and she is trying to be less openly hostile about his whatever it is. So, Reynard and Hob first go to see Kath. And she's at home, and she won't let us in. And I do the typical thing that I do, which is like, what can I roll to find out the thing Eric doesn't want to tell me? I want to try that right now, first and front, right up front. Let's just get that out of the way. And it doesn't work. But Trevor rolled well and sees. Okay, remind me, we didn't see in at all. We didn't even see the suit before Trevor rolled, right? I think that's right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. But Trevor rolls well, and we see a suit that Eris did not make, but the attached to the gloves that she did. Trevor, do you remember anything else that we saw in there? Or was that it? The, I saw the guy sitting in a chair. <laughs> yes, we saw a hostage. A hostage, a torture victim, a poor man. We, I assume, a poor person. Kath is cagey, obviously. I did love the... Eric, when you had Kath say, is that all you saw? Was that intentional to be like, what else is in there? <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah, that was basically just me playing up for you all. Because, once again, dramatic irony. Trevor saw something that you all know what he saw, but trying to downplay Reynard's understanding of what he saw. Yeah. But she says she'll join us and she's going to meet at the four sales later. So we go to see Kath and I will admit Jeff, the player was on, was with Hob, the character, the character about thinking that sauna while not complicit was certainly permissive. I had not put together at any point that sauna's, flightiness or harriedness or anything else that we've seen was because of this. I thought she was real stressed about her party. I'm going to shoot you real straight at the last time we <laughs> talked to her. Uh, that may be my low EQ. Maybe the rest of you guys glommed onto that, but I did not. I My thought was that she knew Kath was up to something, but I didn't realize to what extent she knew Kath was up to something. It turns out that the extent is bringing friends home, but so we talked to Kath and she also agrees to help, but she basically says, please don't tell or talk to Sana, pardon me. 
She basically says, please don't tell Kath to stop, which I am operating like Jeff is remembering that people in the throes of trauma do things that don't make sense because Hob wants to shake Sana and be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We need to stop this immediately. But they both agree to go. So that's good. Uh, How do we close that fourth one out? I didn't get to finish it today when I was doing my re-listen, unfortunately. Does everybody show back up or... No. Is it the arms? Yeah, Olive activates the arms. Right, okay. Yeah. And that goes fine. It goes really <laughs> well based on the yeah. role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise, Milo would have got blamed for it. <laughs> That's absolutely <laughs> true. I do remember now, yes, that we got, go back to the go back to the cauldron with you two. Sorry. Yeah, and the arms, they work. So far. So far. Huzzah. Yeah. Eric, first question from a listener. Hi, I'm Jeff. I listen occasionally. How often are you gonna make? After you gonna do behind the screen rolls to see if all is going crazy? Is this like a once a <laughs> session thing, a once an episode thing? Are we just taking it on faith that it's good? Listen, it's, yes. It, you all know what has to happen for something to happen, and it's probably not gonna be <laughs> like a simple switch is flipped, like circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. So just stay tuned. It'll be fine. It'll all be right. fine. In the interest of time we are going to move on to our questions we will start with laura again if you have any questions that you would like to ask you can do so in our discord you can find a link to the discord on the geekpantheon.com that's our merch page it's also on our facebook is it pinned on our twitter i know it's in there but like on our, no, in our bio or anything no okay but you can find it on facebook and the geekpantheon.com are the quickest ways to find it it is a free to join discord please come and hang out with us laura asks if Okay, so for the three of us that went to Gamer Nation Con, what was our favorite board game that we played while we were there? And the other two of you, if you have a favorite board game you'd like to throw out. Shipwrights of the North Sea, which I have purchased since going to Gamer Nation Con. Same here. You bought it? I haven't bought it, but it's my okay. pick for favorite. Yeah. I also oh. loved Shipwrights of the North Sea. And one that wasn't new, but I just love, I love Wingspan. It's such a wonderful game. Yeah. And that was great. I picked up. I really liked Planet too. That weird, that weird game with the D twelve magnetic D twelves that we played, Jeff. Oh yeah, the animal populating one or whatever. I don't think I played enough to buy it, but it was cool. Mm -hmm. What do you say, Randy? So I picked up Wingspan. I have not got to play it yet. It's very fun. Yeah, invite me over, dude. (laughs) Yeah, we've really been enjoying long shot dice. It's a lot of just a quick, fun horse racing game that Hmm. everybody I've played with it loves it. All right. Trevor, you got a favorite board game? Any game I can play with my friends. Aww. Aww. What a bad answer. Lame. I don't really remember the names of board games I play, honestly. Fair but enough. I do have a lot of fun playing them. Fair enough. Oh, the Ted Lasso board game was surprisingly fun, That was too. surprisingly good. Well done, Laura. Very little to do with the Ted Lasso show. It was just a really good game. Next question from Laura. Have you considered making Campaign 3 a restaurant-themed sitcom? No. <laughs> I'll play in that one shot, though, Eric, if you want to write right. it. For sure. Right. Oh, if I'm your in. character was a restaurant, what restaurant would they be? Is a question that Laura has. I don't even know how to approach that one. Um, I, I actually have an answer for this. Go for it. It was surprisingly easy. I don't think I could have answered it for any other character I've ever played, because what? But Eris is definitely any kind of restaurant where you build your own meal like from mod pizza or chipotle like anything where all the pieces are there and you make it however you, and you have them assemble it however you like that's 
obviously that's what Eris is as a restaurant. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's a place in New York City, and I don't know if it's still open. I went there years and years ago, called Dallas Barbecue. And it is Hob oh because it is very large. And the one time that I went there, the only thing they had on offer was whole chickens. So there you go. That's Hob. <laughs> Trevor laughed. That's absolutely, it's like, the, it's nasty. It it's... do not go to Dallas Barbecue in New York City. If it was not part of a tourist group, I would not have been there. It's if someone read the definition of barbecue and said, I can make that. Yeah, I don't have a specific restaurant, but I think Milo would be like smoky barbecue. There you go. Oh, Reynard is definitely something that people think is fancy, but is not. So Red Lobster <laughs> or Olive Garden. I was like, that is exactly like, what Reynard is where rural school kids go to prom dinner. Yeah, like a P.F. Chang's. There you go. Yep. And nothing wrong with that either. I definitely went to Zio's, which is basically the Olive Garden, a local small chain Olive Garden. During my problem. Zio's is real good. It is pretty good. Why does what does Reynard think of losing his mini Fletcher privileges? M I N I. You never had many Fletcher privileges, but you had mini Fletcher. Privileges. Yeah, I was gonna say he didn't even remember that <laughs> he didn't have the Fletchers. Okay. I think Reynard is is fine. The longbow has not led him astray yet. That's fair. Uh, how would our campaign one characters have dressed for the fancy gala party? We went to a fancy gala as the campaign one characters. That's true, we did. We murdered people there. Or kidnapped. Maybe we just kidnapped. I don't actually think we killed anyone. We tried. We definitely, anyway, we stole too. Yes, it was Ooh. definitely, yeah. I think we went to a couple of fancy parties. Met the White Raven at one. Stole oh, yeah, from we, we went to, Yeah, we went to the art showing where Dex got driven briefly insane. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Dex lived his life like he was at a fancy party. The man wore <laughs> silver dragon mail. <laughs> Barrack dressed entirely appropriately, like formally. In, in an understated formal way. Booyah trying to copy that and failing miserably. Booyah, Booyah put cufflinks on his trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. A goblin in a bucket. Where are we at? Oh, okay, Philip. How likely is it that Eris eventually embraces her vigilante alter ego, the fixer, or at least is not terrified of it? Eris has already embraced her vigilanteness. She's been vigilanteing. She will never embrace a nickname associated with it because Eris doesn't understand why there's a nickname associated with it. This is what Eris has done for her entire life since she got to Sharn is just fix things that no one really asked her to mess with. It's just that she's finally arrived at a place where people don't mind that. Yeah, okay. Laura's last question is, how is it that Kath is just learning about TARDIS Vitaliters? Players have not had a conversation with Kath about TARDIS Vitaliters. Expanding into Liz's question. I would go and read Liz's question. Yeah, Liz's question it. is essentially, how are you handling character interactions with NPCs not on the air? I've always considered that Hob just stands and stares at the wall when he's not on screen, <laughs> but I bet that's probably not true. That's how I play him for sure. But Eric, please. I generally leave that agency up to you all. Like, Eris and Olive live together. So that provides a perceived value that they are going to talk almost every day. Reynard and Arthur talk almost every day. But it's never really been discussed that anyone, like, hits up Kath to go, like, to the four sales to have a chat or sauna or anything. So I just operate on the assumption that they are living their lives, much like Sigil has moved on and is living their life. And they'll hear things. They'll hear about stuff going on. 
but like sensitive information that the party acquires, I'm never going to assume that an NPC has that information unless the party and the right. players explicitly say we are right. telling this person this thing because that removes a level of agency from the players. Right. And you do also, you do act, let us say retroactively. Oh, I would yeah. have told them that. So it's not sure. like we have to elucidate at the moment. Yeah. I would let Sigil and Kath know. And to add just a little bit to that, just a tiny bit, like my home games, I'm in two home games, one I DM, one I play in. We text each other about things and have a DM or a, like an open th- DM thread and things like that. We don't want to do that here because we don't want to rob you guys, rob you guys, because it might become difficult to follow for you guys if we're playing by post between sessions. Yeah. So anything that happens, we have to do it retcon like that, which has, hasn't proven to be huge issues very often. <laughs> yeah, but to, to the second part of Liz's question, how do I keep track of what each NPC knows? Yes, I please. have it in my OneNote. I have a header with each NPC, and anytime they learn information, I write it down. Like for Norse and Millhatch, I had a running tally of whose faces he had seen and had noted that he had not seen Eris without her mask until a certain point and then noted that so that as he interacted with you all in the future, I could play that up correctly. But yeah, I just keep... Running tally of what the NPC knows in a very easy to read sheet. Yeah. All right. Let's knock through these. Diogen asks in the Discord. So since we've seen quite a bit of taverns, restaurants, etc. in this season, is anyone else wondering what Eric's process of building places of hospitality and menus are? And I will say, Eric just dropped a fantastic YouTube video exactly about how he comes up with these things, and it. I will admit, I've only I haven't finished it yet because, <laughs> but it's really fun. I mainly only tr- scrub through to see if he says my name. But God, that hurt to say. It felt so douchey. But please go listen. His search for the Geek Pantheon on YouTube. That is Eric's YouTube channel. And he's got his latest video is exactly about this. How he comes up with these fantastic restaurants and taverns that he's been presenting for, with us. Presenting us with lately. All right. Let's kick out some more questions. Unweirden asks, aside from Eris, whose home at the the cauldron is likely unknown to the Boromars. Why have there been no moves against the party when they go home? Same team, man. The, the clan is working. They The clan is working. While vengeance is a fire that burns hot, it doesn't necessarily make people dumb and rash. And yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> and these are a people that are familiar with revenge. Yeah. Like bloody revenge. This is not a yeah. new concept for them is the one that doesn't see you coming. Yeah. They continue. How fun was it for everyone else when Eris was being tortured with kindness and a loss of anonymity? Delightful. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. Yep, so fun. And a part of the thing that made it fun was how Philip was playing Eris. It would not have been fun if Eris had suddenly decided, oh, this is nice right. to be appreciated. It's fun that Eris hates it no matter how good it is for her. Or how beneficial, I don't know. Sure. Materially beneficial. Why is no one concerned that Reynard is drinking again? Um, I don't think Milo was in a position to care after a little <laughs> while. I honestly didn't notice that it was new again. I clocked yeah. it when he said it and actually made a little mental note of, let's see if this is he's drinking tonight or if he's drinking again. I think that we haven't necessarily established that he's relapsed yet. Yes, in the real world, in, in AA parlance, one drink, you are drinking again. But we're going to give a little bit of grace to a fantasy world and these fake characters and say, let's see. Because as much as he is no longer drinking a lot, he's also not in any sort of official recovery that we've heard about. So we're not going to flag him as off the wagon yet. Yeah. 
Um, did he just like only have one drink? I think it wasn't even out of a flower vase. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he, prior to this, he chugged a vase of wine. Also, he chugged that, a vase of yeah. wine at one point. <laughs> we, that None was of us... concerning, though not specifically because of the alcohol. I may not have seen it. He wasn't he under a table That's when true. he did it. No, he was just standing at the party when he saw his dad. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we were scattered around. And then Unwearden continues with talking. It's not really a question, but it's talking about wanting to see Hob really unload. And I will say to that, me too. No, stay tuned. <laughs> I'll just say that. Flame asks Philip regarding the frequent omens that Olive might go the way of Doc Ock. Has Eric ever demonstrated such a capacity for long running cruelty before? Or is this a new low even for him? Did, not in the did game. Did you watch campaign one? Did you listen to campaign one, Flame? Like, I'm wondering, genuinely, because if you didn't, see campaign one. I can't think of a time that he's been this conniving in the game, but in our friendship, I can. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is more delightful in a lot of ways because of the dramatic irony of it. Like, none of our characters actually have any justification for acting to intervene in this situation. It's entirely the metaphor of Doc Ock that's playing with this. And I think that's what makes it much more fun, a much more fun agonizing sort of thing. Yeah. And it's also joyous on my end because there's every opportunity it'll never happen and they'll be clinched until the last second of campaign waiting for it to happen. I have had, I'm not going to pretend that I have not done the calculus in my head of, what happens if Hob has to save Eris from Olive? I don't know that Eris is going to let Hob save Eris from Olive. I don't know. I don't like it. Don't do it, Eric. Take it back. I'm talking, I got to destroy the arms. And our last question on the Discord, Nathan. Oh, no, pardon me. Second to last. Nathan Stuller asks, playing in Genesis instead of D&D, have there been things you want to do in the system and just didn't support? Besides Eris inventing things, have there been things the players have been able to do that they couldn't have done? in D&D. We get a flavor of this question regularly, but this is, I thought it was nuanced differently enough that it's worth talking about. Yeah. My answer, the only thing that I miss about playing in D&D compared to this for this campaign is being able to buy character-specific dice. Like, that's literally (laughs) the only thing that I miss. No, and honestly, I have built Eris successfully in a couple of other systems, just playing around, just to learn how a character is built in those systems. I cannot build Eris in D&D. She doesn't work. Yeah. I have gotten over the shortcomings of shortcomings is not a fair way to say it, especially since my friend actually went, did the work to build it for me. The differences between this monk build in Genesis and an actual monk from D and D originally I had those misgivings of key points and flurry of blows and things. I have learned to appreciate Genesis for what it is. And now they hold separate but equal status in my mind. I don't even compare the gameplay anymore. I've moved on to comparing Fantasy Age and Pathfinder 2E to D&D now because I'm learning those now for fun. The only thing I'll say on that is that I have enjoyed Genesis a whole lot more than I thought I initially would. It's been really enjoable. I don't know if I could tell you the difference. Yeah. Uh, Trevor says the numbers were easier. I'll give them that. (laughs) I will say the biggest thing is, and this is both a pro and a con for Genesis, it's much more swingy than D&D. D&D provides a level of consistency that a lot of people really Mm -hmm. enjoy, whereas Genesis, I mean, to Unweirden's question before, or comment before about Hob going full ham, Hob like did a version of that down in Kyber against the big main villain of that encounter Mm -hmm. and just one shot Mm -hmm. at them, which Mm -hmm. is not something you can really do 
do in D and D. Like just the, right. the math doesn't work. And it's, especially with the level of consistency that Hob could do it. Cause like, unlike a 5% chance of rolling a natural 20 to crit on a divine smite, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hob just has to roll enough success and the amount of dice that Hob is rolling, mm-hmm. Hob can roll that many success. And the mechanics of triumph, despair, story points, all those things, I've stolen so many of them to make D&D more fun. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, you roll a one, ah, some little bad thing happens. In Genesis, you get a despair and all kinds of crazy crap happens. Yep. I'll say I this. Have, Go ahead, please. I have played a couple of sessions of D&D using three D6s instead of D20s so that I can have a way of measuring levels of success like Genesis allows. And it's awesome, by the way. Try it out. I'll say this, then we'll do our last question. One thing about creating content when considering the two systems, if you are playing a game for the consumption of other people and you are having an off day, Genesis is far less forgiving than Mm. D&D in making content and that has been something that has rubbed me the wrong way a couple of our sessions because i'm just like my brain's gone and i rolled a triumph i don't care guys what did we do like it's a bummer that way but when you're having an on day which is what you know philip does most of the time you can do some really cool stuff all right and then the last question because it is tradition to have an off topic from becca to end the show i lost it there it is what are your favorite mythological creatures Real quick, everybody pick one. A griffin. Yeah, griffin. I was going to say griffin. Yes. Chimera. Good choice. Oh, gosh. This is very hard. (laughs) There's literally zero stakes. Just say one. Like, (laughs) they won't know if you lie. (laughs) Okay. A Pegasus. Medusa. Pegasus? Great. Pegasus. There you go. Uh, Mine's probably, like, anything that's, like, small and funny. Like, gnomes of the... Classical sense, not D&D mm-hmm. gnomes. Like, stuff like that. Or elves, fairies, little guys. Little mischievous guys are fun. Okay, that is it. I think I've hit all the plugs throughout the course of this, but I'll run through them really quickly. We have a Facebook page. Search for the Geek Pantheon. Twitter, at the Geek Pantheon. Instagram, at the Geek Pantheon. TikTok, at the Geek Pantheon. Search for the Geek Pantheon on YouTube to see Eric's DMing videos. Search for The Laughing Tree on YouTube to watch Kyber Shards, our sister show, DMed by Philip, played in by Eric. There's a... No, not this one. There'll be the next one. I'm going to start streaming soon. Look, Watch the Discord. And I believe that's all of it. Merch at geekpantheon.com. Join the Discord if you would like to. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week with the beginning of a new arc. I am Jeff. I'm Philip. I'm Trevor. I'm Randy. I'm Andy.